0: If you're new with us today, uh, welcome. If you're joining us online, it's your first time, welcome. We here at Woodside, we love and follow Jesus. We believe Jesus is the greatest news you could ever hear in your life, no matter how many days you live, that uh, Jesus loves you and has done something for you. And we also uh, here, here, we love his word, the Bible and that's what we'll be talking about today and as we begin i want to ask you a few questions is god's word the bible the final authority in your life when it comes to what you believe and how you act is god jesus the the loudest voice in your life i believe this and here's how i want to live because i am following and love jesus and i love his word Or is the loudest voice in your life one of the 7.9 billion people currently on the planet? Or maybe it's a number of voices that are loud. And so you would say, no, I listen to these voices in the world, what to believe and how to act. Is God's word the authority in your life? You submit to it, you believe in it. And then second question, is the Bible working in your life, is God, through His Word, changing you? That you find yourself each day, but granted, we have good days and bad days, but as you get older, you're like, I'm finding myself a little more loving. I'm finding myself with a little more hope. Or is the Bible just another book almost to you? It's just like your expectations when you open it are so low. Uh, For me, I have come to love and trust the Word of God. It's the authority in my life. I submit under it that when Jesus speaks, I'm listening. And I found, too, that when I am in that place, he's able to work in my life. And he's changing me little by little. I'm sure my family uh, is thinking they wish God would change me a little quicker. Uh, But he's still working in my life. We're talking about the authoritative, powerful, Word of God. Two thousand years ago, Paul took the good news about Jesus. After being hostile to Jesus, he meets the risen Jesus. He comes to understand who Jesus is, and then he takes his message through the message of Jesus, the gospel, the good news, throughout the Roman Empire, and he goes over into Europe and he plants a church there in Thessalonica. And uh, a year or so later, he writes them a letter. And here's what he says: Is if you can recall it from a couple of weeks ago, he's like. I just want to thank God we just thank God for you because when we were there and now Timothy brings this report that you guys have faith and your faith is, is doing something in your life it's producing works and you guys have love and that late love uh, is laboring as you love others in the name of Jesus and you guys have hope that's inspiring endurance you're going through a lot of suffering but but you're you're staying faithful to jesus it's at work and then today he's going to give thanks again so this is the second time he gives thanks for the word of god that they accept its authority and and that paul is hearing about its power in their lives and so what you want to do what we want to learn today the big idea if you're keeping notes is this is that for God to really work in your life, to make you the person he created you to be, to make you uh, more loving and more faithful and have more hope, you have to regularly engage in the Bible. You've got to read it, study it, immerse yourself in it. And you won't see a lot of times immediate results, but over time, as you learn again and again to open the Bible and let God speak to you, you're then, then in a position for God to change you. So today, if you find in your life not a lot of hope, not a lot of peace, not a lot of love, maybe it's because you're tethered to the world and circumstances. If you want strength and you want love, you, I, we need to be tethered to God's Word. So today, as we look at God's Word, In just a few moments, we're going to look at seven different heart postures, seven different ways we can, as we open the Bible, that we can let God work. Before we do that, I want to look uh, at our verse today, 1 Thessalonians 2. It's only one verse. Next week, we'll continue when we talk about uh, suffering uh, many people have said during this pandemic, you know, oh, Christians are being persecuted. And before that, you know, oh, uh, look at where our culture is going. and pers- We're going to talk about suffering and persecution uh, because it's nothing new. And um, when you look at how great the persecution is in other countries today, um, it's something. And so we want to look at that next week. Today, we're looking at the Word of God. Here's what Paul writes to them again. And we also thank god continually because when you received the word of god which you heard from us you accepted it not as a human word but as it actually is the word of god which is indeed at work in you who believe so notice there they heard the word of god they received it but look at their response they accepted it as god's word they they realized this is not just paul's opinion this is not just another new religion this is not just stuff made up by man. This is the Word of God. When Paul talks about the Word of God, he's talking about, if we, find in Acts, if we find it in Acts 17, he's talking about the 39 books of the Old Testament because he used the Old Testament to help them to see that Jesus was the Messiah, the one who would come into human history, die on a cross, and be raised again to life. So the word of God is the Old Testament and then the good news of Jesus, that he's connected to that. We today would say the word of God is the Old Testament, 39 books, the New Testament, 27 books, all talking about Jesus and the implications of who he is and what he did. So all 66 books we receive and accept as it actually is the word of God. Paul, Paul says this in 2 Timothy 3, that... All scripture, the whole Bible, all scripture is God-breathed or it's inspired by God. Peter says in uh, 2 Peter 1 that prophets spoke from God as they were moved along or carried along by the Holy Spirit, that God wanted to reveal himself to us and he used the pens of different authors to communicate to us exactly what he wanted to say. So he used, they had different personalities, they were in different contexts, and yet God used each of them so that the word of God is, uh, we can say, is God-breathed, it's inspired, it's his word. And connected to, to that inspiration is inerrancy, because God cannot lie, he's a God of truth. Everything in the Bible, we believe, is truthful, is trustworthy. So God directed people, to, to write the words of God and we receive it, we accept it. But not only is it just for uh, us to know things, but God wants to use it to change us. Notice that uh, the Thessalonians, they received it. Oh, this is not something Paul's making up. This is a story from long ago. The God that said in the beginning, he created the heavens and the earth. The God that created me, this is what Paul's talking about in Jesus. So they accepted it, but also it changed them. It was at work in them. When you receive the word of God, you submit to it, and you say, oh, God, change me. The Holy Spirit can take that word and begin to change you. I don't want to forgive that person. They don't deserve my forgiveness. I want to get back. It begins to change you. So let's take a few moments now to move to Psalm 119. And we're going to look at the psalmist's heart posture because we see in all 176 verses of Psalm 119, it's a long chapter, but we see the psalmist saying, oh God, your word is true, it's trustworthy, it's authoritative in my life. And then he's saying, oh God, please use it in my life. Help me to understand, help me to see, help it to be my strength because Lord, I got to be honest with you, I struggle at times, please help me. So here's a few verses from Psalm 119. My little gift to you today, we're not doing 176 verses. Okay, here we go. Look at his heart posture. Blessed are those who keep his statutes. Now, you'll find in this chapter, statutes, precepts, commands, decrees, laws, they're all talking about God's word. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Cause me to understand the way of your precepts that I may meditate on your wonderful deeds. My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Isn't that a wonderful verse? Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Have you ever seen someone that's brilliant, but they're foolish? Any person, whether they're brilliant or they're not very smart, they can become wise. It gives understanding. There's hope for all of us there. Just moving on. The statutes you have laid down are righteous. They are fully trustworthy. So the psalmist, his heart is like, God, your word is true. It's from you. Work it in my life. Help me to understand. So let's look now at how to approach God's Word. So opening the Bible, what, do I, what heart posture do I want? How do I approach it? And so we're going to look at seven heart postures. I'm grateful to Matt Smethurst. He has a book that he describes a number of these um, that we're talking about today. And as we go through them, don't be overwhelmed in the sense that, oh, I got to get all seven in order or I can't open God's Word. No, what you want to do is identify maybe one or two heart postures where you say, oh, God, I really need to focus on this. Would you help me here? So whether you've been a follower of Jesus for decades or you're brand new to the Bible, how should you open it? First, open it prayerfully. So if you focus on each one there, we'll just look at the first one prayerfully, that what you are holding in your hand is not a handbook for life. Oh, if you want to be blessed, do this and this and this. It's more than that. It's more than principles. It's about a person. It's about God giving you his word, speaking to you. Which means when you open the Bible, you're not like, oh, I'm going to open it and check off. I read my the verse for today or I learned something. But rather, you're in a relationship. If you've trusted Jesus, God speaks to you each time you open that Bible as you let him. And as you then hear from God, you speak back to Him. It's like any relationship. There's a conversation going on. Think for a moment that what you're holding in your hand is the Word of God. It's God speaking to you. That you and me, creatures of dust, God has revealed Himself to us. He didn't have to, but he chose to. And not only are we creatures of dust, we're creatures of dust who rebelled against him, but yet instead of giving us the silent treatment, he pursued us because God wants to speak to you and to me. Today, as I um, open the Bible, I believe that Jesus is speaking to me through his word. And why do I believe that? Why do I believe the Bible is the authoritative Word of God? It's not just that the Bible is the best-selling book of all time by far. It's the most translated book by far. Second is, is, is not even a close second. So it's the most popular book in the world. But it's more than that. And it's not just the fact that it seems to change people. Down through human history, people that open the Bible, somehow it seems like God changes people. So whether it's Augustine in the 5th, 4th century, 5th century, who was a sinner and says, I I was such a sinner. God uses his word to bring him to Jesus and he's a great philosopher, and we quote him still to this day. And then you have Amy Carmichael, back in the 19th century, who opens the word, has a relationship with Jesus, and Jesus calls her into India as a missionary. And there she starts an orphanage, and there she works with a lot of young women who, who were uh, on the road into prostitution. And to this day, we still see what Amy Carmichael has done over there. It's, it's a wonderful thing. It works in the lives of people. So, yes, there's that reason as well. And then there's the reason uh, that it is the most cohesive worldview. The questions you have about life and I have, where did I come from? Why am I here? How should I live? What's the purpose of my life? The Bible has the most cohesive worldview. So... Those are some good reasons, but that's not why I believe the Bible's the word of God. That's not why I believe that every time I open it, God wants to speak to me. The reason I believe it's the, Bi- the word of God is because Jesus did. Jesus is the living word of God. He's God's greatest revelation to us. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, the word was God. So you wanna know what G- God's like? Look at Jesus, he is the living word. But Jesus, the living word, says the written word, what we have in our hands, the Bible, is the word of God. So I believe what Jesus says. So when I open it, I open it prayerfully. I talk to him, he talks to me. Can I encourage you, if you don't do this when you open the Bible, when you read a passage on your own, just take a moment and pray after and say, oh God, you said this, and then you would talk back to him. Or uh, as well, and or, before you open it. I know in the past when I'm opening the Bible, I'll just say, Lord, open my eyes, open my eyes, help me to see, open my eyes. So you're talking with God as you read the Bible. Secondly, open your Bible desperately. There's a difference between open it, opening it willingly, like, oh, God, you know, say something to me. Please talk to me. I need something. And opening God's desperately, where it's like, Lord, I need you to speak to me. Like Jeremiah said, your words came to me and I ate them. They are my joy and my delight. So it's it's that posture of saying, God, I need you to speak to me. Why do you need God to speak to you? Okay, there's two ways, uh, two options when it comes to God revealing himself to you. Number one is speculation. Or sorry, there's two ways to know about God. One is speculation. That's where you're like, Okay, I think God is like this, and we as finite beings, we have lots of speculations. There's 7.9 billion people in the world, and lots of speculation. And so one person here says, God is like this. Another person over here said, no, he's like this. They contradict. And we're just constantly speculating. That's one way that we can know our Creator. The other way, according to Jesus, is revelation. That God speaks to you through his word. Where did you come from? What does Jesus say? Look in his word. Where are you going when you die? Listen to Jesus. That's the second way that he speaks uh, through his word. One of the challenges we face today uh, is social media, where we're just in this constant flow of information. And as we go through life, when it comes to what we believe and how we act, we could just be, in a sense, nibbling on Cheetos all day long. Anybody like Cheetos? Just, you're just constantly eating Cheetos. And then when it comes like, to God's word, you're like, I'm just not hungry. I don't have an appetite. Right? As we're nibbling, or sorry, you don't nibble on Cheetos, right? Sorry, some of you maybe, but we eat Cheetos. Right? The problem with that is that a lot of what the world says and the speculation is not good for us. My heart was burden again this week as I um, was con- reminded again of, especially um, young teen girls, but I could say to all women in general, but young teen girls, the world is saying to them, hey, if you don't have this body, you're not beautiful. And we got lots of people believing the world and what the world says, and they're just going down a bad path. Or the world says hey if you are going to be successful you need to drive this car i gotta get that car or if you don't belong to our tribe this is our tribe then you're not a good person and the world is constantly saying that to us and i don't know about you but i am desperate to hear the truth from god oh My body is not who I am. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. One day I will have a perfect body. Oh, I don't need a beautiful car to be successful. If you do, give thanks to God that if you've got a nice car, but I don't need that to be successful. Oh, I don't have to listen to that tribe and be part of that tribe. Like, are you desperate for God's word? And just a note to all of us, one day, all 7.9 billion people talking will talk no more. You won't say anything more. Your word is done all the people before us, their word is done. All the people after us, their word is done. As Peter says in 1 Peter 1, all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Who are you? What happens when you die? How should you live? You've got to make a choice. I'm um, following the world. I'm listening to Jesus and his words. When you open it, you're just desperate. God, give me the truth. Number three, you open it studiously. That it's not just like, okay, I'm going to open it, read it, I'm done. But there is a time and a place, and maybe you're at work on a lunch break where you read or wherever it is. There's a time and a place to kind of like think through what you read. Maybe to underline circle words, put a question mark beside a verse, because you need to grow in your understanding of the Bible. We all do, right? So when I read, the Lord is my shepherd in Psalm 23, I don't know about you, but I don't talk about sheep a lot. And I don't know too many shepherds. So I have to get a context. What is David saying when he talks about a sheep and a shepherd? Do you know as a sheep who you are? Okay. Sheep and shepherd. What does David mean by that? And then in the rest of the Bible, the far context, context what does it say about sheep? What does it say about the shepherd? And so that's why I encourage you, uh, if you don't have a Bible with study notes, that you consider getting a Bible because, with study notes because it helps you to understand what David's context was like when he said, the Lord is my shepherd. What about polygamy? Open your Bible. There's polygamy. What's that all about? You've got to study. You've got to work that through. And it's not, oh, yeah, what about Revelation and maybe Daniel, right? about the rider on the white horse coming and killing everybody? All right, what's that all about? Oh, that's apocalyptic genre. That's That's a lot of it is, some of it's literal, but some of it's figurative. And I figured that out. Some of God's word is descriptive. Some of God's word is prescriptive. Like there, you, we have to continue to learn and through study notes and through one another. Holy, holy, holy. Why does he say that three times? Okay, we're learning and we want to have that posture. And when you uh, learn, why should, why should you learn? It's not so that you can feel smarter than someone. It's not so you feel superior to someone. It's because theology, the study of God, always leads to doxology. You praise him. Oh God, I'm stronger because I've got your word. You've given me a promise that in the midst of my trial, my heartache and things not right in my life, uh, here's the truth. You're still at work in my life. You still love me. So that's, we study it with a learner's posture. Second, uh, next, uh, fourthly, we study it obediently. And this is one we struggle with, right? Because from the fall, we want to go our own way. We don't want to come under anybody's authority. We don't want anybody to tell us what to do. We live in, in a culture, and it's nothing new, where we're guided by our feelings. Feelings dictate which way I go. Uh, George Barna, who does marketing research and specializes in faith and culture, says, and I, and I believe he was thinking, uh, talking about the, uh, the United States, not Canada, uh, but he said, as you look at the spiritual landscape today, people have a pick and choose or a cut and paste approach to what they believe or what they wanna believe and how they act, and he says when you look at it, you've got people uh, with a world view, with beliefs and behaviors that are not consistent, that aren't coherent, that don't logically fit. Why is that? Because, oh, that person that was singing that song told me that, oh, I'm gonna believe that, oh, that movie was giving me that subtle message, I'm gonna believe that, and we're all over the place, and when I read the, the study, the word that came to mind is lost. All of us are lost. All of us are speculating about things. But when we come to Jesus, we realize he is the truth. And so I want to listen to him. And then obediently means that um, I not only understand that Jesus is my uh, rightful authority, he's the one who created me, but he's a good and loving authority. How many of you that are older besides myself, you could put up your hand and say, I've come to realize over the course of life that God's ways are best. Anybody want to stand up and say, let me tell you about the time that God said this in his word, but I didn't think it applied to me, and I went down this road, and can I tell you where I ended up? Anybody here? Yeah, a few of you, right? Okay. Young people, you want to be wise. You want the best thing for your life. You want to flourish. You obey God even at times when it's hard to. You want me to forgive him or her? They don't deserve it. I'm not going to. You don't have to. But slowly in time, you'll have a bitter heart. God's ways are always best. God wants you to become a more loving person, a stronger person. But you've got to be, obey him even when you don't feel like it. Uh, Ma- uh, Moses in Deuteronomy says, uh, chapter 10 says to the people, these commands from God, they're for your good. Can you say that today? His commands are for your good. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 7. He says, the person that hears my words and puts them into practice, obeys, is like a wise man, a wise woman. They built their house on a rock. When the winds and the storms of life and the rains come down, you're going to stand. But if you hear God's word, my word, Jesus says, and you don't put it into practice, I'm not obeying. You're swept away. Your house is swept away. So Jesus is making the point that it is in your best interest to obey him. I am so grateful. I heard that as a young teenager and all my life. I've been able, even at times when I'm challenged, and it's hard, Lord. There's times I failed, but it's, Lord, your ways are best. Number five, uh, open your Bible communally. That um, God doesn't want you just reading the Bible by yourself. He wants you to read it with others where you're talking with other Christians, why is that? Because none of us have a corner on the truth. None of us have a perfect perspective. When you read scripture, you're reading through your lens, your background, how you were raised. Some of you maybe weren't raised in a Christian home. And so when you come to the Bible, you're, you're reading from that perspective. Some of you, day one, you were in the nursery at church. So you're reading from a different background. You have a different personality, temperament. And so we're all coming from different um, with different lenses. So for example, if you have the gift of mercy, how many of you you would say, that's my primary gift, right? You just, you care for people. When you read the Bible, you're like, oh, look at that lost sheep, or oh, look at that person. And you, all of those verses are standing out to you. They're popping out to you. If you have the gift of, of leadership, and you're not quite so high in the gift of mercy, you need to work on that you're like missing so many verses right so we need one another and to read it together which means and i know for myself i love hearing uh when a woman is sharing something from god's word i love when a child is sharing something from god's word i love when a senior is because they're seeing it a different way it's called collective wisdom and that's what god wants for you and for me if you're new to woodside and um you would like to get in a group where you study god's word communally uh in september uh, after the summer we will be uh, restarting our life groups and that's a place where each week uh, or sorry bi-weekly every other week you can get together with other christians and study his word together someone has said if you want to run fast run alone if you want to finish run together and that's what we are what's we're locking arms and saying we love jesus we believe his word trumps any other word any other voice in our world and we're following him and there's something special about christian friends when we lock our arms together now we can have friendships with non-christians and we should but there's something distinct there's a different texture to a christian friendship with a non-Christian, we can relate physically, stay, be in the same presence. Let's go to the Jay game. Let's, you know, go watch the Maple Leafs. I said I wasn't going to say anything today about that. Okay, uh, let, you can be physically present, and you can be emotionally engaged. Why does the leaf illustration come up again? Okay, are you down? I'm down. Yes, okay. Emotionally engaged. I can be intellectually engaged, but I can't be spiritually engaged because we're all blind And we need Jesus to save us and open our eyes. A Christian, we can relate physically and emotionally and intellectually, but spiritually. Hey, you love Jesus? You believe the Bible? So do I. We're going to see Jesus together. And you're working and you have that friendship. There's something very special about that. So when you open your Bible, you do it as an individual. But there's a place for it in a community number six you open your bible christocentrically which means you keep jesus at the center of the story right the bible is one story 66 books 40 different authors written over 1500 years on three continents in three languages hebrew a little bit aramaic and greek all telling one story the story about god and god coming to us In the person of Jesus he's the main character on the stage you aren't and I am NOT as well aren't you glad for that right he's the main character so when I read the Bible I'm looking in a sense Jesus this is about you now we know the New Testament the Gospels and then the epistles and the rest of the the books that speak about Jesus and his works and, and, and that they talk about Jesus but when you open the New Old Testament you don't find the word Jesus anywhere Where's Jesus? It's because in the Old Testament, God from the beginning, he talked about sending a Messiah, a deliverer, someone to save us from our sins after we'd fallen. And that was all pointing ahead to Jesus. So when I read the Old Testament, it talks about a tabernacle and temple, and I'm like, what's up with that? It's pointing to Jesus. He's the ultimate tabernacle and temple, presence of God with it with us. When it talks about all these animal sacrifices, what's up with that? Oh, it's, they're all pointing to Jesus as the ultimate once and for all sacrifice. So I want to read it Christocentrically. Jesus, uh, to the to two followers on the, the um, road to Emmaus after he was raised from the dead, they had thought he died and that was over, so opened the Old Testament to them and pointed. And he said to them that it was written, Uh, all these things were written concerning him. And then a little later, he appears to his disciples, all these things were written about me. And then in John, when he's talking to some really religious people, he says, you search the scriptures diligently because in them you think you have eternal life, but they testify about me and you refuse to come to me that you might have eternal life. So the whole Bible is about Jesus. If you miss him, you miss the whole thing. It's all about him. And then number seven, I study the Bible or open the Bible frequently. The Bible, when we open it, is often more of a duty than a delight. Oh, my goodness. If you're here and every time you open the Bible and it's a delight, hey, stand up. Hats off to you, really. It's a challenge. We have... um, We've got a to-do list, we've got distractions, we've got burdens, we're swamped. And yes, there's a place, uh, different seasons when it's harder to get into God's Word than other times, but if we're always waiting for another time, it never comes. We have to realize that this is God speaking to me. It's very important, and so it may seem like a, a duty, but like anything, as you discipline yourself, it leads to a delight. So if you begin to say, you know what, I've been eating horribly, I want to start eating um, the right foods, you're not immediately going to see results. But if you discipline yourself to eat properly in time, there is a benefit, similar with exercise. I don't do anything, but I'm going to start to go for a walk in time There are results. It's the same thing with the word of God. When you open it and close it, not every time you open it and close it, are you going to say, wow, that was just unbelievable. Thanks for changing me. But in time, as you slowly read the Bible again and again, then God can take what you read and work it out in your life. The the folks in 1 Thessalonians, those Thessalonians, received the word of God, it's your word, and then it worked in them so I want to encourage you. I know we're going into summer. Um, I'm always thinking of the fall and the ministry year where there's a rhythm, but even in the summer, are you going to open God's word at all? Are you going to open it? And maybe it's with a friend. Maybe it's like, hey, would you read through um, the book of Proverbs with me, and let's get together and talk, or, or uh, something else. I always remember this guy years ago. He said, um, I'm with some men, and we're reading through the book of Revelation 10 times in a row. I'm wondering if any of them had any nightmares 10 times in a row. But there's something about reading it together and having a plan. So I'm going to encourage you not to feel guilty, not to beat yourself up, and say, what's my plan in the days ahead? And maybe it's at work taking five minutes at work maybe it's first thing in the morning last thing at night maybe it's on your phone like it's every day i get a daily bread or i get something little by little god can work like to close with a few verses back from the psalmist and his heart posture and i want to encourage you if the bible has been a bit dry to you that you would um read through psalm 119 this week oh lord give me that posture here's what he says The law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. May my tongue sing of your word, for all your commands are righteous. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. All your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. Your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Would you join with me as we pray? Lord, we thank you and praise you that you have revealed yourself to us through your word. We thank you that you've revealed yourself to us through your son, Jesus. And Lord, today as we think about your word, we want to first thank you that it is true, that it is trustworthy, that it is perfect, that it is righteous, that it is eternal, that one day every voice will cease, but your word endures forever. So we thank you for it. And Lord, I pray for us here at Woodside that we would lock arms with each other and that together we would read your word. And Lord, that we would not only see it as our authority, but you would work it out in our lives. Lord, make us more loving and joyful and hopeful. Give us more peace. Lord, help us to find strength in your promises. So please work in our church family. And then again, Father, for the person that doesn't know you. Oh God, I ask today that you would open their eyes to see that you have revealed yourself to them through your son Jesus and through your word. And it's in his name we pray this. Amen.